اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته Welcome back to Living the Quran through the Living Quran. In this series we've been going over chapter number 36 Surah Yasin, also known as the heart of the Quran according to the noble prophet Muhammad, may God's peace and blessings be upon him and his family. And today in our discussion of chapter number 36 we want to turn our attention to verses number 37 through to number 40. In these four verses that we want to look at today, we reflect on some of the signs of God. some of the pointers that guide us towards god in our previous discussion we were looking at the, the the sign of god as being the dead earth and how it gives how god gives it life and we remember and we reflected on the point that just as the dead earth can give can be brought back to life so would you and i be resurrected on the day of resurrection It seems that this portion that we've been looking at of verses if we've been paying attention to the previous ones and what we will see today is speaking about the the quality of the creations that God puts into place the uh, the quality of God being the khaliq or the creator and that all of these things that he has created are signs for us to guide us back to God before we go into a better understanding and lessons to derive let us have a listen to the arabic of this portion and the english translation and we'll come back then and deliberate on these verses and what some of these beautiful signs of God are which exist in the universe all around us for us to reflect upon god says the following in surah yasin chapter 36 wa ayatul lahumul laylu naslakhu minhun nahara fa idha hum mudlimun was shamsu tajri limustaqarrin laha dhalika taqdeerul azizil alim the night from which we strip off the last vestige of the day so that afterwards they are left in pitch darkness is a great sign for them and the sun is moving on its ordained course towards the goal determined for it that is the determining of the almighty the possessor of perfect knowledge والقمر قدرناه منازل حتى عاد كالعرجون القديم لا الشمس ينبغي لها ان تدرك القمر ولا الليل سابق النهار وكل في فلك يسبحون And think over the phase of the moon we have determined its various mansions so that after traversing these mansions it returns to the stage when it appears like an old dry twig of a palm tree it is not given to the sun to attain to the purpose ordained for the moon nor is it given to the night to outstrip the day all of these luminaries go on floating smoothly in an orbit of their own as we see in this collection of verses that god is giving us some of the signs of the celestial bodies of the sun of the moon of the various um stages that the moon goes through that we see on earth obviously that's an entire you know discussion in astronomy and how come the moon goes through these different phases and we obviously don't want to discuss that in this commentary session um but these are all talking about the beauty in the creation of the universe in the system that god has also put into place not only the creation but the fact that they 
are running in a perfect system. And when scholars look at these sorts of verses and they deliberate on them from the theological perspective, they bring forth what is known as this burhan, the proof of anatham, of order within the universe. And they say that this is one of the proofs of the existence of God, that how can all of this come into play and run in such a calculated fashion if it was just all by chance, if just there was a blast, a big bang that happened that nobody or nothing brought into creation. How can all of this that we see in the world that runs like clockwork, how can all this be just by chance and by fluke? This is a proof of the existence of an intellectual, uh, of, of a designer who has the intellect and who has put everything into place in a specific fashion. One of the things that God talks about in this passage, and He uses this word urjun, is He talks about the various stages of the moon. And obviously for a majority of the world, the moon is just there. You know, it doesn't really serve a major purpose for most people. But for Muslims, the moon becomes important, obviously, because it governs our lunar calendar. We base our events on this lunar calendar, on you know, birth anniversaries, on death anniversaries, on the day of Eid, for example. Um, a lot of our lives are revolving around the lunar calendar. And God tells us that the moon goes through all of these, as referred to in the translation, as mansions, as stages, as different um, shapes of the moon. But then God says that it gets to the point where it becomes like this old, dried-out um, shape of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a twig of a palm tree. Now, obviously, we would have to study you know, what a palm tree looks like and, 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 and the, the branches and what it, what it would turn out to when it becomes dried. But God gives us understanding that it becomes like this, like what we would see as, as a crescent moon, as, as maybe one of the best examples and the, you know, uh, for, for, for a sake of brevity that we would mention. But God shows us, he, and obviously He gives the example that something would be, which would have been natural for the Arabs of the time of Revelation to better appreciate and understand. And so God tells us of the sun and of the moon and how they run in their own orbits, that they are in a set pattern that God has instrumented, calculated, and put into place in this entire system of creation. And so really when God tells us all of this, it's not just Him telling it to us, but rather it is as an invitation for the people that we should be studying the movement of the sun and the moon, that we should reflect on the appearance of the night and the day, uh, that we should look at the moon and, and the various phases it goes through, and the changes that, that the moon manifests over the period of a month. We should look at these floating spheres in the sky, the sun, the moon, the planets, the stars, the orbits which they go around, the lack of any kind of you know, collision amongst these, the precision which, which they run through, uh, the wisdom, the measurements that are between all of these bodies that are out there in the heavens, and that all of this has been put into place by a wise and an intelligent creator between you know, what we would call as Allah or as God. And not only has Islam or the Qur'an spoken about this, but obviously it shows to be an indication of the necessity for us as human beings to, to, to study, to become experts in these fields of science, to you know, reflect on the greatness of God through the creations that God has put into place, to look at the world around us, the order that is there, and to reflect on the fact that God, an intelligent, wise creator, has put all of this 
into play for all of us to benefit from. There are obviously a lot of learning points and takeaway points that we can derive from this, many based on scientific realities. We'll just mention a few and conclude, and one of them which we can reflect upon is that the fact that we have night and day are not just um, chance phenomenons that have happened, but rather that these are calculated by God, that there is a purpose for daytime, there's a purpose for the night, and that they are there for our betterment, for us to use and to benefit from. We also see that as a second learning point that we can derive from this passage of verses is that the orbits of the sun and the moon on their movements and then obviously even the planets and the entire world or universe that we live in and everything that's, that is out there in the creation, that they have been created such that they, they, they do not interfere with one another. They don't um, you know, cross paths ever accidentally or if for any other reason. Um, and so we have the ability to calculate night and day, and we have the ability to you know, maintain a balance in this life because we know that these things move in a particular format and a set schedule. We also see, and we conclude with this, is that the movement of all of these celestial bodies is something which is extremely fast. Now, maybe for us today this makes sense because of modern science, but keeping in mind that these verses were coming down 14 centuries ago, uh, this would have been something probably which would have been unknown to the people. And this fact that Allah talks about this in the Quran, God mentions the speed of these, is clear when Allah says in the verse that He uses the word yesbahun, which can mean in the meaning of swimming or going in their own orbit, but this is a word which denotes a, a speed associated with it. And so again, that this was something which may not have been known to the Arabs of 1400 years ago, but that the Quran was confirming, and that even today through modern science, we have the same understanding and confirmation of this phenomenon of the movement of these celestial bodies. We close and we ask our Creator to give us the ability to better reflect and study His creations, the creations out there in the world around us today, to better understand Him and the central role that God should play in our lives. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.